NFL scores, if you don't want to know, earmuffs. A little two-point conversion attempt from the Eagles has come up short. The tush-push hasn't come off on this occasion after they got their first touchdown. It's still 16-9 Tampa. Laurie Horish from ESPN NFL. Uh, Laurie, great to have you on, mate. What a uh, playoffs it's been so far. Um, some upsets. We've got some record-breaking performances. Why don't we start with the Texans, uh, the job they did over the Browns. CJ Stroud, he broke all kinds of records, equaled all kinds of records for a rookie quarterback in his first playoff. Hello, mate. Yeah, great to be joining you. Look, starting with CJ Stroud, I mean, look, the voting for these awards like NFL MVP and Offensive Rookie of the Year and all those kind of things, it actually closes before... Uh, the playoffs start at closes in the final week of the regular season before the regular season finishes. So whilst that performance won't have an impact on offensive rookie of the year, I think he'd already locked it up. And it was just an absolute statement and a reminder. I mean, only throwing the ball 21 times, but it's all he needed to, because when you're averaging 13 yards an attempt, I mean, it tells you how frequently you're picking up chunk gains and first uh, first downs. He protects the football, three touchdowns through the air. And some of the some of the placement, I think when I talk about, we talk about him and I'm sure we'll talk about Jordan Love and they're, they're certainly running parallel races in this, both of their first full seasons as starters, even though Jordan Love is not a rookie with the Packers. But CJ Stroud, it was for him, it was the placement. Watch how he, how ridiculously accurate he is with the football. And I don't just mean, okay, he's hitting his man between the numbers, as they say, you know, between the eight and the five or uh, with, uh, with one of his favorite receivers, Nigga Collins, between the one and the two. But he has players running onto the ball. That Dalton Schultz touchdown to the end zone. Yes, Dalton Schultz had separation, but moving one way after the snap and then delivering to the other side of the field to the perfect point where your receiver can run away from his his defender and run right under a ball, whether that's for a touchdown or for yards after catch. This is something that Stroud has shown perhaps even more than he did at college. At college, he's incredibly productive. don't mean to throw any shade towards what he did at the amateur tier. But what he's done since coming in here has become instantly one of the most one of the most ridiculously precise deliverers of the football in the NFL as a rookie. And it's it's a credit to him, it's a credit to his offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, who is going to get head coaching noise, already is, um, as of this week with the uh, with the litany of openings we've seen start to emerge throughout the league. And uh, obviously their head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who could be up for coach of the year as well, is definitely in the running. But a dominant showing against a Cleveland Browns defense that is putting up historical numbers, one of the most um, impactful units we've seen in kind of 20 years, and particularly looking at the advanced metrics. It's a tough opposition they went against. And Stroud and his friends, Nico Collins, I mentioned at receiver, almost going for 100 yards and a score. They were absolutely exemplary. Uh, I don't reckon there were many people that uh, thought that the Dolphins were going to head to Kansas City with the weather doing what it was and their record and where they play and in the heat. I, I don't think that was a surprise for anyone. The, but the 26-7 to 7 score on them, and they were almost shut out, the Dolphins, uh, against the Chiefs, who despite Travis Kelsey having three drops, they've started to drop the ball a lot less, the Chiefs, which was an issue during the regular season. And they're starting to look a lot more like the Super Bowl winning team from last year than they have. And it's at the right time to Laurie. It is at the right time. It's the right time to feed Rasheed Rice. Another rookie. We're talking plenty of rookies and early starters in their career so far, but the wide receiver out of SMU, he's incredibly talented. Um, interesting during his time at SMU, he's probably talked about, oh, he's not the most refined route runner, but has a lot of, a lot of fantastic natural skill in terms of going up and elevating and getting the football really, really sharp breaks and the way he ran after the catch and had that explosive ability. And, you know, he gets fed for eight, eight receptions um, and, and 130 yards to pace 
uh, the Kansas City receiving core. But I think beyond just the box score, them feeding him and treating him like a wide receiver one, one, he's deserved it um, out of all the receivers. And you mentioned the drops that they've dealt with all season. He deserves getting that attention and, and being that high up, the kind of the read chart uh, for Patrick Mahomes when he goes through his read with the ball in his hands. He should be a, a common option and a, and a routine option. Um, but when you do start to treat him as a wide receiver one, it will cause defences to change. It will say, OK, we need to pay some extra attention if this guy's going to be high up the ladder in terms of what Patrick Mahomes is going to, looking for, going to be looking for. And that should open things up for someone like a Travis Kelsey. That should create some chunk plays available. We see Noah Gray having a moment uh, getting downfield and Justin Watson, who has some great athleticism, if perhaps inconsistent hands at times. And at times, and you know, they got the run game going as well. It wasn't otherworldly, uh, but they're getting that, you know, that rushing attack going for, you know, going for around over four yards of carry for a lot of Pacheco's day before, you know, they, with a lead, you do tend to run slightly less efficiently as you're trying to tick the seconds down. But look, it was a strong performance. And look for Miami, yeah, as beat up as they were on defense, a, 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 you know, a valiant effort over the past few weeks as they saw key contributor after key contributor go down with injury um, and offense. Look, there's always the question, even though they could run the ball this year more than previous iterations of this McDaniel offense, there's a, there's a question about are they a finesse offense? Are they too finesse to go into a foreign, you know, away environment in frosty, snowy, icy conditions mm. uh, and play tough-nosed football and it just did not suit their speed-speed style? No, so the Chiefs have got the Bills. What a matchup that's going to be next week. The Texans will take on the Ravens, who were 13-4 and in the regular season. We're speaking to Laurie Horish, uh, NFL analyst from ESPN. Laurie, stay there because we're late for the news. On the other side, we'll talk about one of the greatest upsets or maybe one of the greatest chokes in NFL playoff history. We'll have to touch on the Cowboys, but news first. Thank you, Amy Drew. We're chatting to Laurie Horish, NFL analyst from ESPN. Laurie, thanks for holding uh, over the news, but we couldn't let you go without uh, just touching on the last couple of results because the Cowboys' record in playoffs over the last 20 years has been pretty abysmal, and they suffered an embarrassing loss um, they were the second-ranked team uh, going into the wild-card weekend. They come up against the seventh-ranked Packers, uh, and they, you know what, the bed. 48-32. Uh, to 32. They've had four wins, I think, in the last... It's over 20 years now in playoffs. I mean, that's as big a choke as I can remember in NFL playoffs for a long, long time. For a team that was 8-0 at home this yes. season, for a team that has a 16-game winning run at home, this is, you hear, you hear Jerry Jones and he comes out and says he's flawed. And look, Jerry Jones will speak to, you know, through the media to the fans after results like this, which have been far too often lately. And he will use these tones. But I think there's frustration from Cowboys fans that it doesn't lead to radical change, whether that's in how the organizational power structure goes with Jerry in place as owner and general manager. I wouldn't expect that to change. Um, some of the patience shown with, uh, with Jason Garrett for a long time, and now Mike McCarthy. Look, he's four years into this. He was brought in with a talented squad, handed over a talented squad. Dak Prescott in place at quarterback, uh, and, and his task was take the next step, take the step that Jason Garrett never could. Four years in, and they haven't. And 12 wins uh, each of the last three regular seasons is admirable, but that's not what the brief was. The brief was to get up there to the NFC title game challenge, to get to a Super Bowl, and once again, this team turns up unprepared, sloppy, doesn't execute, and has really poor mental mistakes. The, the defensive secondary, Dan Quinn, who's getting head coaching interviews, almost a half a dozen of them I think he's lined up for at the moment. There were, it was the old, I know they're, they're called the Chicks now, the, uh, the country music group. It's, it's the reference I come back to. Their old song, Wide Open Spaces, that's what we saw. 
Luke Musgrave on his touchdown, I, I joked that I was the nearest man in Cowboys coverage there. It was an absolutely <laughs> abysmal showing from the Cowboys, and everything's on the table. You know, you've got Bill Belichick out there who, whilst the fit in terms of how that would work, um, you know, and in a power structure standpoint with, with Jerry Jones might appear with, those two do have, a, from what we hear, reports are a good personal relationship. You've yep. got Mike Rabel out there. You've got Pete Carrollin. I mentioned names like Bobby Slowick. There are other, you know, hot young coordinator candidates out there to step up. So it's it's terrible time for the Cowboys. But credit to the Packers, that was an absolute showcase from Jordan Love and Matt Lafleur. And the question marks over Dak Prescott in big games will hang over his head until he can show that there isn't an issue in those big playoff games. Um, wow, the the heartwarming moment. First playoff win since 1991, was it, for the Detroit Lions? It's got that extra bit about it because Jared Goff playing against the team that traded him away to get in. The Detroit Lions former quarterback, Matt Stafford, who they do love there despite booing him onto the field. They understood why he left. But what a moment it was for Detroit and for this franchise. 24-23 to win. It is the feel-good story of the playoffs. Well, as much as we can talk about teams like the Cowboys perhaps lack, lack substance in key moments, that was all substance from Detroit. From the head coach, uh, from Dan Campbell down uh, to Jared Goff, who you mentioned there, you know, you've got Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders and Eminem's in the stadium and he's getting props when his name and his song comes up on the big screen there. But he led him in song. He led them he, in song. He absolutely... <laughs> it was awesome. All, all grit, all Detroit, true, true, a city that plays true to the character, or a team that plays true to the character of the city and everything that they've been through there. Um, but this was a culmination of, you know, this hasn't been perfect for Detroit. While their offense has been consistently really productive uh, through the air and on the ground this season, defense has had some tough moments. I was certainly one pointing that out over kind of a month and a half stretch. But um, they do a really good job containing and keeping the Rams to field goals in a lot of their drives, and they made made it count when they got into the uh, red zone. You know, anytime you start the game with three red zone trips and score three touchdowns, it really sets a strong platform. And look, Jared Goff, 22 of 27, but you saw the emotion on that mm. first kneel down when they got in victory formation. What that meant to him, the words from, from his head coach after the game, basically saying, hey, look, I'll put it this way, you're good enough for Detroit. You know, after being cast aside and sent in, really, in that trade, where they sent multiple picks, the Rams sent multiple picks, um, and Jared Goff over to get Matthew Stafford coming. You're basically being thrown in there. It's a throwaway piece. Yeah. Um, so for him to achieve that narrative and that result, amazing to see and, yeah, heartwarming to say the least. Uh, incredible performance from Detroit. So they will wait and see who is the winner of the Eagles and the Buccaneers game going on that the Bucs are winning at the moment. The Bills did what we expected against the Steelers and uh, Josh Allen, three touchdowns thrown, one rushed, is back to his very best and rumbling. Uh, Laurie, always great to chat to you. Come on with so much incredible info, mate. It's why you're a fantastic analyst for ESPN and we'll chat to you soon. Oh, very kind. Always a pleasure and look forward to talking soon. Laurie Horace from ESPN, NFL playoffs, uh, just heating up. What a week one it's been and we'll keep you up to speed on the scores. BP's going to join us from the Australian Open next on Afternoons.